Yo, this is the first ever episode of the Paddle Down podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Morris, and I guess I'm officially part of the Heavy Hockey Network. Um, <laughs> I got the green light there last week to, to start recording my own show or uh, to be part of the, the network, which is awesomely cool. Shout out to all the guys there, and uh, it's going to be a goalie-heavy podcast. It's not going to be a, a sole Oilers-related podcast. Uh, I look to uh, expand on, it's It's going to be uh, NHL-related, it's going to be AHL-related, it's going to be junior-related, um, the whole nine yards, and I, I, I personally love to... Uh, I love goaltending. I love to talk about it. I love the talk. I love the game of hockey itself. Um, as I said, uh, I've I blurred uh, momentarily uh, the heavy hockey network right now. It's it's an Oilers fan site, I guess you could say, a, a blog site with podcasts. Um, but uh, I just lost my train of thought there. <laughs> There's going to be a few of these here, this first one here, guaranteed. Um, now I forgot what I was going to talk about. Yeah, awesome. Great way to kick this off, eh? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, uh, the site itself is, is Oilers content related, and I kind of want to, I, I think um, the 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 godfather there, my, Mr. Michael Heber, is going to um, expand the expand the horizon here um i i don't know what he has in store but it sounds it sounds like big uh big plans for the future here at the hhn and uh yeah i uh like i said i i love hockey i i, I am an Edmonton Oilers fan um been a fan since uh the dynasty days uh since the early 80s um yeah I, uh, that, that pretty much dates how old I am here right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm no spring chicken, but, uh, the, 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 uh, the position of goaltending, I, I, I think the goaltending position is, uh, the most important on the team. Um, you're basically, uh, you, your main job is to keep the puck out of the net and not let the other team score on you. Um, I'm not saying I'm not discounting the, the forwards or defense, but, Generally speaking, the goaltender is uh, the end-all, be-all. You got to beat a goalie in order to to score goals and in order to win a game. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the tall and short of it. As far as why I like, I I actually uh, I, I played a little bit in minor hockey. I think I played about three years, and um, you kind of have to be a little bit off off of left or left of center, I guess, uh, in order to. <laughs> to to block uh vulcanized rubber discs and uh you got to be a little bit crazy um i i know a few goaltenders and they're uh i i always draw the the the, the comparison of uh goaltenders to be like the drummers in a rock band they kind of march to their own beat um some goaltenders are mega superstitious they'll they'll put their gear on a certain way I think that goes for anybody who's superstitious. I'm not personally superstitious, not even a little stitious as Mr. Mr. Mike Dursa would say, but, uh, but yeah, no, uh, some, <laughs> some goalies are a little bit out there, a little bit crazy and others are just goalies. I'll just put it at that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, this episode I'm going to primarily it's going to be Oilers heavy this episode um there uh I'm also going to talk a lot about uh the the UFA crop this year as far as uh uh unrestricted free agents and also restricted free agents uh not the crop like last year but there is there is a few big names out there um one of is uh which um the um 
the Stanley Cup champions. The, the and congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche for winning the Stanley Cup. Twenty twenty two champions, uh, well deserved. I was very proud of the Edmonton Oilers uh, making it far as the Final Four. I didn't expect them to get that far. I uh, I thought they were gonna. I thought it was gonna be close versus Calgary, and uh, the universe provides uh, something different. So, and uh, the the first game there in that Calgary se- series was a shootout, and then after that, uh, the boys pretty much settled down and locked her down, but. Uh, kind of bummed that we lost four straight against uh, the Colorado Avalanche and got swept, but you got to tip your hat where, where credit is due. Um, the Avalanche were a solid team, 16 and four total there throughout the playoffs. That's, that's pretty much domination at its finest. Uh, I heard, uh, heard, uh, it, that was the, the best record for a play or for a Stanley cup winning team since, uh, I think it was the 87 Oilers who went 16 and two or something like, or it was in the eighties there for the Oilers there. And they went 16 and two. Um, so yeah, yeah, no Colorado was solid. Um, they're going to lose a few key, pil- bah, few key players next year. Um, but I think they're still going to be a solid team. I know the Oilers are, uh, are kind of, strapped cash wise there for for the cap um and as i record this this is july the 1st at 7 19 p.m at night um still no word about the future of mike smith whether he's gonna bow out and, and retire or if he's gonna go on ltir and no word about Duncan Keith there with his situation. I assume Duncan Keith will come back for the last year of his, his contract, that monster 13-year contract. Smith, on the other hand, I don't know. His uh, end-of-the-season presser there was pretty telling. He was looking down a lot, so he was kind of bummed, as you would be, because you'd, you'd never watch your season end as it did, naturally, but... Uh, he didn't look. Uh, he didn't. He didn't sound too thrilled with all those injuries here in the past season. Uh, he was. It took him a while to get back from him, and he was his old self when he did get back. But uh, nobody knows the, the the current situation. Whether he's um, he's gonna bow out there, or, or gonna come back for one more kick at the can, so to speak. Um, me personally, I was a little bit vocal on the on the articles I wrote there for for heavy hockey. I uh, <laughs> I think everybody was a little emotional, a little on edge. Um, he's definitely a polarizing goalie. You either love him or you hate him. And uh, I'll say this: if if he decides to call it a day, um, I, I got to tip my hat to to him. Um, one of the he is the best puck handling goalie in the league bar none and he had a hell of a teacher in marty turco um if a lot of you people remember his uh, he got drafted by dallas and learned from the best how to handle the puck and uh <laughs> he had a few moments there in the postseason this last postseason there uh, he coughed it up there the in game one uh as everybody knows they're against the la kings um and uh yeah, that was the that was the that was the that was the prime record there for the for the grenade of that game. Uh, but uh, when he's on, like I'll never forget that pass there. He made the Connor McDavid there uh, against San Jose there. I think it was back in March, and he basically just slapped the puck right up to him there, and <laughs> and, and Connor was off to the races. I. I I hope that's one of the goals of the year there for, for Connor McDavid. I think it is. It's one of many, but, um, but yeah, no, Mike Smith, he, uh, he can be a, a very polarizing figure, especially if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan. Uh, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no amount of vocalage, <laughs> no amount, no, no, there's no, uh, shortage of opinions, so to speak when it comes to uh to speaking everybody's opinion on uh on how he plays and <laughs> how he is and what they think of him there's also uh, an 
if you're living under a rock and, and haven't been really keeping tabs on the Oilers, Mikko Koskinen is uh, is no longer an Oiler. He signed uh, in the Swiss League uh, with HC Lugano, I do believe. So he's not coming back. Um, his time as an Oiler, I think, was also very polarizing. Uh, even this season, you could say, when, um, when Mike Smith was battling injuries, uh, Mikko was... He he uh, he was great, and then then fell off a cliff, and then uh, he was good. Like he, he was kind of a tale of three seasons, I guess you could say. Um, the first uh, when they when they went on that run there, uh, I think they were that they think they had the best percentage in the league win percentage in there, and he basically started. I think he started all but four games. <laughs> before uh before Mike Smith got injured there and and um he did well and then the the wheels came falling off there during that slump that 211 and 2 slump uh we called up Stuart Skinner and uh and uh Stu actually did pretty decent for for what he was handed and uh but uh, but Miko there he kind of rebounded got back to his old ways there uh when Jake Woodcroft took over there in, in February, I thought uh, even in relief there uh, against Calgary during that, that blowout loss there, that in game one, he came in for relief and did well. Um, very limited service, though, uh, as a whole during the playoffs in his time as an Edmonton Oiler. Uh, I thought he his game was falling off as well especially his lateral movement. Uh, he, he wasn't as quick as he usually was. Mind you, it was a damn long season. And uh, you never, uh, <laughs> you're going to have wear and tear and when, when you have that long of a season as they did, um, even with Mike Smith. Uh, he probably had mega treatment during the playoffs because he, he was well, <laughs> he was well used, so to speak there. He was highly in service and, uh, yeah, no, it uh, it's it's going to be an interesting off season here. Um, Stuart Skinner is going to be taking Miko's place. I'm assuming, anyways. Um, he still has a waiver exemption going into next year. I think that's a very thin line, though. I think he's played enough pro games. I forget what the what the the, the Mendoza line is there for. Uh, for uh qualifying to be in waiver uh, you have to clear waivers i think it's 75 pro games if i'm not mistaken but don't quote me on that so uh he has uh another two-year uh contract there that he just signed there last year um and as far as i know it's a two-way contract so at least for both years, and I know that he's still waiver exempt as according to cap friendly there anyways so uh, he'll be taking Miko's spot. Uh, but the main question is, and Ken Holland, their general manager, Ken Holland mentioned, excuse me. He mentioned that, uh, goaltending will be a focus here in the off season. It's just a matter of what's going to happen with Mike Smith. If he's going to retire, if he's going to go on LTI, or if, uh, he's going to come back and play out the rest of his contract he's going one year left he's 40 years old like i said before his end of season pro uh presser didn't it was very telling he, he was pretty pretty bummed and he said it's hard and, and i'm 44 years old i can uh, i can vouch for getting injured it takes longer to recover <laughs> I'm assuming at 40 years old and in the shape that he's in, he, uh, from all accounts there and all the reports, uh, all the guys say that he's in wicked shape, but, uh, yeah, just very, uh, it, it's very rough when you do get injured. The, the recovery time is way longer naturally. And, uh, yeah, it uh, it'll be interesting to see here, um, what's going to happen. And what what general manager Ken Holland's going to do? And um, yeah, I I, I think uh, this uh, this off season 
uh, is going to be even wilder than last season, uh, last off season. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think, uh, oh boy, I, I hate to open, reopen old wounds. Um, when it comes to, um, to past seasons and trades or like last season, I thought Ken, Ken Holland was going to, was going to do the thing and, and get us a starting goalie, excuse me. And, um, uh, and then go from like be set for the next for this window that's basically open for the team. We're in a win now mode, <clears throat> and uh, I think uh, <laughs> I was pissed when Ethan Bear got traded. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, as a fan of the Oilers, I thought I knew. <laughs> That's the only, that's always the damning thing about being a fan. You love some players, you know, they're fan favorites and you hate to see them go for, uh, but it's, it's a business. It's part of the business. Um, everybody will say the same thing, you know, like, well, we shouldn't have traded him. You know, we could, we could be so much better and woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I don't know. I, I, I think, I thought last season as a uh, off season was a miss just for the goaltending position. It was our biggest, it was our biggest hole still is our biggest hole. I'm not knocking, uh, I'm no general manager myself. Uh, and, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be in a general manager's position, uh, just for the stress level alone. But, uh, and everybody on social media and, and at home watching the game or everybody's an armchair GM. That, that's, that's just, that's just fact. But, um, when you, when you're, when you love fan favorite players and you get traded for basically spare parts and not knocking world Warren Fogel there, like I, I thought that God, I'm, I'm backpedaling here like crazy, but I'm getting to my point. I thought it was a huge miss last off season, not getting a goalie. Uh, I was very polarized. Uh, and I thought the CC signing was okay. I thought the re-signing of Barry was a little bit suspect, but when it came to the, the, the bear trade there for Warren Fogel, instead of getting a goalie, I, I, I was, I was upset. Not going to lie. I thought it was a huge mess and Lord knows what Holland was doing. I don't have privy to that. I, uh, I just thought, um, I thought it was a huge mess. And, uh, the, the, the second part of the, the huge missed opportunity was drafting a, a franchise, future franchise goaltender. And Jesper Wallstead, he traded down and got more, uh, Holland got, got more draft picks. I, I, I thought it was a huge miss personally. I, I, when you hear people that are well-versed in the game, in the game of hockey and saying that Wallstead's technical, technical skills alone are franchise changing. You'd think that they would jump all over that and take the pick, take Jesper Wallstead. They didn't. Uh, I know that their barn was full. Uh, uh, f- their cupboard was full of, uh, uh, prospects there, like with Skinner, with Konovalov, uh, with Rodrigue. Um, but I always say you can never have enough goaltenders in your system because you never know what's going to happen. Well, I guess, well, how far can you go? Right. You, you always have to ask yourself that too. But, um, I think, uh, I thought it was a huge miss both with the trade and with the, with the draft. Cause, uh, boy, oh boy, like, uh, apart from this year with the Colorado avalanche winning, um, every single, well, pretty much every single championship team had a homegrown goalie drafted and developed, whether it was, uh, our college free agent signing or whatever, you know, they, it was, they were homegrown. They were they were developed within the organizations. So, and we haven't had one and then, and been proven a proven goaltender. We haven't had a proven goaltender since Devin Dubnik. And, uh, everybody knows about that and what happened in the end. Um, 
it was a bad situation, but I ain't going to get into it here in this podcast. But I, I just, I, <laughs> if we don't get a goaltender or, uh, if we don't, uh, rectify the situation or, uh, they, pardon me, if Ken Holland doesn't rectify the situation, yeah, he, there's going to be slings and arrows everywhere. There, It's going to be hellfire. I can guarantee you that much. Um, and I don't think it would be a good good thing to, to overplay Stuart Skinner because well, every goaltender is going to have highs and lows. And it'll be Skinner's first full season with the big club. Um, will he do good? I think he'll do good, personally. But um, <laughs> I... Uh, anything can happen, you know, and if you catch, if you catch a bad break and if you lose confidence, that can be fuck. that can be so damning to a goaltender psyche. Like, and it's, I think it's 10% talent, 9% mental. Like it just is so like it, to ruin a goaltender's confidence. It's, it's not, it's not easy to rebuild. And I, I, I know that for firsthand experience and I only played minor hockey. It, uh, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard position to play. And I can't even imagine what it's like to be in the best league in the world playing that position. Cause you, you gotta have, you gotta have nerves of steel and whatnot. But anyways, I'm rambling on here. I'm going to stick back to the program here, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, there is some, there is some good selections out there for, for free agent signings. Um, there is even trades to be made. I think that that could be in play, but, uh, I think for the most part there, like it all hinges. If, if Smith wants to come back for the final year, then they have to, uh, with the departure of Ilya Kalanvalov, I even forgot to mention that, um, he has to be released. They released him. He's going back to the KHL. So I think the organizational depth and goaltending needs to be improved. I think uh, vastly improved, I should say, with Skinner being graduated to the, to the big club there. There's just Ryan Fanti, which I think was an off, awesome signing by Holland. College free agent signing. Uh, he was awesome there with Minnesota Duluth there this last season in the college ranks. And uh, Olivier Rodrigue, he is in the last year of his entry-level contract. And from what I've seen and heard from the people in Bakersfield, he has a long road left to go in order to make the show. But that could all change this season too. Who knows? But that's that's all Speculation City. And uh, this episode is basically Speculation City at this point because who knows what's going to happen. But that's the cool thing about being a fan, you know, like, you can speculate about anything. You can have your own opinion about anything. Anywho, uh, UFA goalies. I <laughs> actually, before I get to UFA goalies, I, I got my bullet points here. I got written down. Uh, trading for another goalie. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I've heard everything under the sun for trading Borgo. To trading Pulley and that's a that's a whole different ball actually right there. You talk about speculation city. Boy, I, I feel for that kid. I really do. Because I said on many podcasts there on Oilers Live and on Straight Off the Pipe there with the the Heavy Hockey Network. If he just finishes, if Jesse Pulley just finishes he could be such a great player and he's one step away. It's almost like Valerie Nichushkin all over again. And I hate to say it. And I say this to, in all sincerity and, and honesty, don't be surprised if he gets traded. I read today in the athletic there via Daniel Nugent Bowman there. He, uh, he wrote a little bullet point uh, article there. Um, Holland said he's not going to give him away for free. So there's that, but like I said, who knows? <laughs> anything can anything can be possible at this point with with Pulley Um, I feel for the kid. I, I I'm a huge fan of him. I, I I feel for him. You know, uh, do you use him as a trade chip though? Because his value isn't all that high here right now. Same thing with Kyler Yamamoto. Like he he had a decent season, just like Pulley 
Um, another fan favorite. He's loved by everybody. But what do you do? Do you, do you trade him for? Do you trade him for a starting goaltender? Um, who knows? I know that Edmonton needs a number three goalie. If Skinner does graduate to the AHL, they they need a an AHL NHL go to guy just in case of an injury, like they had with Anton Forsberg there a couple of seasons ago. All thanks to the to the to the pandemic, and uh, what a rigmarole that was too. Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, they're gonna need number three goalie. So do you trade for even number three? Do you run the risk of damning yourself and depleting? prospects i don't know i've heard john gibson's name a whole bunch personally i wouldn't trade for him excuse me i don't think pat verbeek the general manager of the anaheim ducks would allow trading within the in your own division i've heard rumblings about gibson going to toronto um and then I've seen, uh, I've seen a, an end uh, season interview there with Gibson, with the Athletic, and he doesn't want to be moved. So it's the ball's in his court basically, because I think he's got a ten team no trade clause or somewhere along that ten or fifteen team trade no trade clause. So um, another goalie I had down here for trade value, and this is only if. Um, the Ottawa Senators would eat a little bit of money on his contract would be Matt Murray. He's got Stanley Cup pedi- winning pedigree. He's had a horrible time since being traded from Pittsburgh. Not going to lie. His seasons, last season especially, he fell right off a cliff. All goes back to confidence. And what's in between your two years? And ment- mentally-wise... I I feel for Matt there too, man. Like it's it's pretty it's uh, to see that to to be demoted to the AHL probably pretty tough on the ego after winning two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. But sometimes you need to to rebuild yourself in order to, in order to move ahead. You know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. You need to rebuild yourself and. Sometimes you gotta you gotta do it, you know. And I know with his string of injuries and last season as well, it would be a little bit of a caveat there too. So I don't know what you do. I honestly don't know what you do. Um, another name that's being flipped around is Connor Hellebuck. You don't know what's going to be happening in Winnipeg uh, with their RFAs as far as uh, pure. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, if they're going to do a full tear-down rebuild, do you trade away a Vesna-winning goaltender? Because <laughs> if at least they're in the Central Division, you know, like um, it is possible. I'm not gonna not gonna say that's a no contest there either, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, Another little side note uh, with Winnipeg, since I'm talking about Winnipeg, Eric Comrie is a group six UFA. He didn't play enough pro games, or sorry, HL games. I don't know how that works with the G6, the group six, um, the group six clause. All I know is that he didn't play enough to keep his RFA status. So, he is now an unrestricted free agent. He can go and sign with whoever he likes. I kind of speculated this on Twitter. It'd be interesting to see a Comrie slash Skinner tandem. I doubt it happens because for the main point of Eric Comrie doesn't have too much more pro or you shouldn't say pro. He's got a ton of pro experience. Just, he only has 28, 28 NHL games played, period. But on the other side of things, I know it's a huge risk. I know it's a huge ask. If you split 40-40, if you split right down the center, I know it's a huge ask for Skinner there as well. 
the last, I think it was the last month there in Eric, uh, what, what, what Comrie did there for the Jets, he played damn good. He was, he was, he was on a heater. <laughs> he was, he was in the zone. Like he, he was feeling it, you know, the pucks were like beach balls to him. He, he caught everything, stopped everything. I think he wound up with a 10-5 and 2 record, if I'm not mistaken. And his save percentage, I think, was... Hang on a sec. I gotta, now i got to look it up. But Comrie there, he was um, he was damn good. You know, in, in relief with... Um, relief with Hellebuck. I think Hellebuck had some some grief there towards the end. Um, great. Now I'm going to cap friendly. A very professional show here, folks. Just hang on. But yeah, Eric Comrie there, he uh he came in and he held the fort. Like he the the Jets weren't going to the playoffs. They were they were hanging around, you know, and, and hanging in there type of deal. But uh then eh, once they knew they weren't yeah, it was ten five and one, nine twenty save percentage and two fifty eight goals against average. Nothing to sneeze at. Um and what did he have there with the moose? Oh heck, he played four games with the moose, uh, which is the uh, the farm club of the Winnipeg Jets, and he was three zero and one with the North, one twenty three goals against average and nine forty seven save percentage. Um, so last season as a whole, he didn't get a lot of service, but uh, forty games—that's a big ask for for goalie with his kind of experience, and I know. Edmonton's win now mode, so they're probably going to go big game hunting for a goalie. But you never know. A Comrie would be a nice number three too, by the way. But you'd probably lose him in waivers, a la um, Anton Forsberg, guaranteed. Because <laughs> right out of the gate, there, the start of the season, you're going to have you're going to have one or two teams that are going to have injury problems or goaltender related problems. So. Um, Guaranteed, you probably lose them, <laughs> and we all know what that's about there. <laughs> so um, yeah, and last on my list here, I had Tristan Jari. As far as trading for a goalie, oh yeah, I also had um, James Reimer there too out of San Jose. But they've got three goaltenders. Uh, I'll, I'll flip to San Jose, and then I'll go back to to Pittsburgh there, but yeah, the San Jose, uh, situation there, they don't have a general manager. They don't have a coach. <laughs> it's just chaos there right now. So I don't know what, if they're up for trading James Reimer or even like, a a capo Kokkinen maybe, but he doesn't have too much experience in that. I, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't fret if they did make a play for James Reimer, um, he would work great in tandem. I think it would be a 60, 40 split, which would work perfectly. And Reimer does have postseason experience. So would it work? Yes, I think it would work. It's just a matter of who you're going to give up within, uh, for a team within a division, once again, just like John Gibson and Anaheim, you never know what's going to happen though. If you give up a good blue chip prospect or whatever, or, yeah, anything can go. Anything can go then, because it's not out of the realm trading within the division, but it has to be the right fit. So, and I don't know. I I'm not gonna speak my opinion on Ken Holland any further. Uh, like I said, I'm not an NHL GM, so. It'll be interesting to see. And finally, like I said, Tristan Jari, with the way Casey, Casey DeSmith played and Louis Deming played, you wonder about the future, if they're if the Penguins are going to do a rebuild on the fly. I would assume they're not going to trade Jari. They'll probably let DeSmith go to, to, to free agency. Uh, along with Louis Deming, I do believe new Louis Deming is... See here on my list. Uh, yeah, Louis Domingue is also a free agent, UFA. Uh, so yeah, I highly doubt Jari would be traded unless if there was a huge piece going back. I would assume it would be, be another goaltender. Do you trade 
Stuart Skinner. <laughs> I hate to say it. With Jari, you'd be you'd be well set, but then you'd have to get two more goalies on top of it because Ryan Fanti's had one pro game, and like I said, uh, Olivier Rodriguez is not ready. He is not ready for the show. Not by a long stretch. From what I've heard, anyways, I haven't I haven't personally seen him play yet, but uh, that's what I heard. So with that, we go with signing a goalie now. What what would you do? You know, would you? I have a list here. <laughs> the three that are most talked about right now uh, in oiler in oil in oil country. Um, do you do you sign Darcy Camper? Do you make an offer that he can't refuse? Um, personally, I think Kemper's going to go back to Colorado. Why would you want to leave a defense like that that you play behind <laughs> when you got Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr and Samuel Gerrard and and uh, whoever else they got there? I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but that's a solid defense. There, solid. They, they actually the forward core there that that team plays well defensively as well. So it's it's going to be. I I would say Kemper's going to resign with with Colorado. I, the smart money would say that. There's one year left on Pavel Francouz's contract. Um. And I think in some cases, Francois is better than Kemper, but who cares? Because they both won the Stanley Cup this year. Um, the big name, the number one big name everybody's talking about is Vili Husso out of St. Louis. Um, I'm not a fan of Vili Husso. I thought he played damn well during the regular season. But he got exposed in the postseason once again, thanks to Colorado. Um, excuse me. I um, his glove hand got exposed majorly. They, the the Avalanche it just literally exploited that glove hand side. It's like Koskin in two point in my opinion. He's a hell of a goaltender. He's a big body. Just that glove side, just I, it doesn't sit well with me. That and he doesn't have a lot of experience. I thought Bennington during the regular season was misfiring like crazy. I thought maybe they trade him, but when Huso fell off the fell off the cliff there in the postseason, he came in was a rock star once again until he got injured, and then. Huso had to come in and save. Well, he tried to save it today, but Colorado just tore shit up right in front of him. So I, I think uh, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna bring him back. I don't know. I a lot of people love Billy Huso. I just yeah, I I just I have that sneaking suspicion like he's gonna get exploited this this next coming season with that glove side. But you know anything can you know, anything can happen. You know, like with in Koskinen's case, he he had he had his homework there for the for the off season. He he fixed his his glove hand side, and basically what all entailed to that. And I kept kept explaining to people, uh, it's all about set position, facing the shooter, being square to the shooter. You can have five alarm Mark Andre. Mark Andre Fleury type of saves where you're out of position and you're selling the farm. You're just hurling your body in front of the, in front of the puck. Some goaltenders can do that on a regular basis. Most can't. Most have to be, you have to be somewhat square to the shooter. You have to be facing the shooter in order to have a chance to stop the puck. With Philly Huso's situation it's a lot to do with puck tracking as well. I thought he let in a lot of easy goals against Colorado. Like he, and I, I know I'm not an expert personally, but it's just, <laughs> let's just call it as it is. <laughs> I'm no expert. I'm just a fan. 
talking about goaltending, but from my visual standpoint, yeah, he, he's got to track, track the puck better. Uh, a lot of easy goals he let in. So would I be up for signing Vili Husso? Maybe if the price was right and the term was right. But other than that, I think there's a better option on the table as far as a UFA goalie. And my last choice, <laughs> Jack Campbell from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he he's a damn good goalie when he is on. When all cylinders are firing with Jack Campbell, he's unstoppable. His puck tracking is unbelievable when he's when he's on. His lateral movement, his athleticism, like he just he'll he'll sell the farm, as as I call it. He'll sell the farm in order to to stop a puck. Last season was another telling tale. It was a, actually a tale of two seasons with Jack Campbell. Right up until right before the All-Star break, he was literally on fire. And then he fell off a cliff. Uh, some said it was a equipment issue with his pads. I heard Kevin Woodley there from InGoal Magazine and NHL.com talk about it. He said primarily with Campbell, though, it was a mental issue. It was... His confidence. He had a confidence issue. Like he just, it was like a crack in the dam and then the, the dam gave way. And towards the end there, like even in, into the postseason, you could tell that he wasn't a hundred percent. But in my opinion, out of all the UFA goalies, I'd say he's the best choice for the Oilers. But once again, when it comes to signing people, and especially goaltenders, there's always that. There's always that medium. Where what are you going to sign him for, and what term? Because Jack Campbell, I do believe, is thirty years old. He's in going into that twilight phase of his career, so you don't want to sign him to a monster contract. But do you sign him to say like a five million, say at one or one year, I just about said one million on top of my five million. Um, do you sign them for one year or two years? You know, it, it's a tough, it's a sticky situation, you know. And me personally, I'd give them one year, just but uh, that's up to his agent there and whoever he's going to talk to for teams. Um, because I know Toronto and their cap situation is not good. They're going to have to let go of some guys there again in order. And what they have there right now, Eric Schalgren's good. He's a good backup goalie at this point. He came in and did a pretty damn good job, I thought, overall. But Peter Morazic, they might have to buy him out. I hate to say it, but uh, they might have to let him go because he nothing but injuries and it just seemed like the that's that's been his knock his entire career he's just been he'll get good he'll get in the rhythm and then he'll get injured or he'll be a he, he'll be like a screen door on a submarine he just can't stop anything he's been his inconsistency has been has been there in spades so yeah it's it's gonna be a it's going to be a real trying time, I think, as an Oilers fan. Like, you could go... Man, I'm just thinking... I wrote out everything. I went on Cap Friendly here today. I wrote out every single UFA goalie and RFA goalie. And there's probably going to be... And I Cap Friendly doesn't even show you, like, uh, the goalies, like, over in the KHL or the European leagues. Uh, but, yeah... I could go real conspiracy theory, uh, throw a tinfoil hat on and start talking offer sheets, but Edmonton doesn't have the room for, for, (laughs) for cap space. Like you could go, you could, (laughs) I'm laughing at this one. Everybody's talking about Jason Robertson there in Dallas. I'd offer sheet Jake Ottinger 
for what, and I know his body of work has been very limited in the NHL, but he's a damn good goalie. He literally single-handedly went full Patrick Waugh against that series, uh, against Calgary in that series, and literally was a brick wall. What do you offer sheet Jake Onger for? That's the question I like to throw out there. Screw Jason Robertson. <laughs> How pissed would Jim Neal be if he if he got an offer sheet for Jake Ottinger? I know he wouldn't be too happy because he's got he's got Bupkis in his system. He's got Colton Point, which hasn't really panned out. Uh, let's look up here. What else is in their system? Because I know it's I know the cupboard's pretty bare. Um, I think Anton Kudobin or Hudobin is not coming back. They got him on LTIR, as far as I know. But uh, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about Scott Wedgwood. Scott Wedgwood. They just re-signed him to a two-year, $2 million deal, which I thought was pretty freaking sweet. Good on uh, good on Jim Neal for that. So, Adam Scheel, uh, Remy Poirier was a brand-new goalie right, right out of the hop. Um, and then Colton Point, who is an RFA. It'll be interesting to see if Jim Neal qualifies him. Uh, and I looked at his record and it was not very good. So yeah, put on the, put on the crazy hat there. And, and why wouldn't you off sheet, Jake Onger? I would just for shits and giggles. But the question is, what do you do? Like, like what do you, what kind of money do you offer him? What's six and one or six and two or go a little bit lower say go four and four or i know the penalty there or the for for the offer sheet there i think once you go over 4.2 million i think it's a first second and a third rounder you give up is he worth it i think he's worth it for the limited amount he's played in the hl he hasn't hasn't had any injuries at least from what i recall um yeah (laughs) i definitely would uh, the other question mark for goaltending as a whole for UFAs is Mark Andre Fleury. I wonder where he's going to go. Is does he go back to Pittsburgh? That's the other, you know, question mark. If you do decide to, tr- if you're Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, do you trade Tristan Jerry to bring back Flower? My guess is no, because they know. Eh, Flowers got a little bit of gas left in the tank. I, I'd bring him back for nostalgic sake. You know, do you bring him back for eh, three million for like two years or whatever? Because Mark Andre Fleury is thirty-seven. He's no, he's no spring chicken. You know, he's. <laughs> do you bring him back? I don't know. And the other ones here, like there's, there's a couple I would, you know, would take a gander at. You wonder about the situation in Boston, if they're going to rebuild. Because I, I know, was it Brad Marchment there? And there's one other player that's on the shelf until the, probably about the middle of next season. Uh, Colin Delia from Chicago, both him and Kevin Lankin in our UFAs. Uh, David Riddich is a UFA. What else here? Martin Jones. Do you take a flyer on Martin Jones? Casey DeSmith from uh, from Pittsburgh is a UFA. Do you take a flyer on him, Oilers fans? I don't know. Um, but yeah, like the Eric Comrie situation there in, in Winnipeg is interesting. Um, does he resign with with the Jets? You know, and back up, play a backup role, or do you? You know, do you see him signing elsewhere for a starting role? Maybe in Chicago. You could see him there. A lot of the HL, like a lot of the 
the people are the people, the detenders in the NHL, like Troy Grosnick for number three would not be a bad, bad idea at all. Bring him back. He's a damn good number three. The the question is, would he sign with Edmonton after the way he was treated there during the pandemic? I don't know if, if I was Troy, maybe if the, if it was a damn good situation, but, uh, the, the last, I shouldn't say the last point I want to make here, but I kind of mentioned this. Um, I follow goalie history there on, on Twitter. I think it's Doug Norris is his name. And I don't know how I stumbled on it. I'm talking about Tyler Parsons. I think it was Kerry McGowan um, mentioned Tyler Parsons, or he mentioned uh, a Toronto goalie. I might have mentioned Tyler Parsons in passing there. Um, for those who don't know who Tyler Parsons is, um, he had a stellar junior career with the London Knights. Um, was highly touted coming out of junior. Um, and he was drafted by Calgary. He had an okay first season as a pro, and then the wheels fell off. And I always wondered about him at being, being a fan of goaltenders, even with Calgary goaltenders. I know how, <laughs> I mean, I'm, a, I'm an Alberta kid. I love Oilers. I will bleed copper and blue for the rest of my life, but I'm also a fan of goaltenders and I will not scoff even at the Flames goaltenders if they're good. And I thought Tyler Parsons was good. And I read an art article from the athletic from 2018 and this kid had it rough. He was raised by a single mom. I did not know this until I read this article. I forget who wrote it. I should give him credit forever. Whoever wrote this article there in the athletic about, about Tyler Parsons, man, that heavy, heavy stuff. Um, I was raised by a single mom in Michigan and you want to talk about mental health. Like he, he literally, he was, he was struggling mentally. I'm just going to, I'm not going to spoil the article, but if you want to look up the article there on the athletic about Tyler Parsons there, and he signed a one-year deal last year. And I don't even think he played a game for Calgary, for Calgary's uh, farm team. There's just the Stockton heat. And I don't know if he's going to return to hockey. And it's, excuse me, it's sad. It happens uh, for the, the people that do know Tyler Parsons, my my heart's out to him. They're like pretty rough, man. Like pretty, pretty rough situation. I, as an advocate for mental health, um, I, I, I definitely can feel for the guy. Um, yeah, it just eye-opening stuff eye-opening stuff there. I, I thought, you know, you know, in passing there, I thought maybe developmentally wise, like couldn't switch from, you know, switch that, that switch on, flip the switch there from, from junior to, to the pros. And it's tough from what I've read. It's tough. And I, I wouldn't doubt it. Like being away from home, that far away from home, you're literally across the country in California. And, um, yeah, I, I feel for the guy, you know, and I just hope that the guy's actually doing well, you know, cause man, you know, uh, mental health is no joke folks. It is, it, it's like I said, with, especially being a goaltender, it's all or nothing and you have to have nerves of steel, you know, and yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm going to leave it at there. But, um, yeah, with the, the HL, like with looking for the, for a third goalie, number three goalie, uh, you could go, you could go down. I got a list here. Uh, as far as UFA goalies go, like I said, Troy Grosnick, uh, you could even go Kevin Lankinen from Chicago. It wouldn't be, I know he'd probably want to change the scenery. Uh, he didn't have the greatest seasons with with Chicago there last year, uh, especially when uh, he was in relief of Marc-Andre Fleury. 
Uh, the other UFA, well, keep referencing the other UFA. The as far as uh, for number threes, Charlie Lindgren of uh, St. Louis. I wouldn't mind taking a stab at him if I was if I was Holland. He's had one heck of a season there. Uh, I think he backstopped between him and Joel Hofer. Uh, the other uh, goalie prospect there for the St. Louis Blues. I think between the two of them there, they they backstopped to the Calder Cup final in the AHL. They lost to the Chicago Wolves, who were um, literally a juggernaut. But, uh, yeah, as far as uh, taking a flyer on Charlie Lindgren, why not? As a number three. I don't think that'd be a bad idea. You know, he's in uh, he's in the prime of his career. The some are uh, some of the RFA goalies. I'm just going to touch on here quickly. There's an interesting list. The one that really pops out to me. You want to talk about divisional? Uh, if you're an Oilers fan, is Michael DiPietro. Him and uh, Spencer Martin had a duel there last year. Spencer Martin had a wicked season. I, I wrote an article back in March called Pipe Dreams, and I actually mentioned Spencer Martin, that he would be a damn good UFA signing, which uh, the new management there in Vancouver noticed, and they scooped him up pretty darn quick and signed him to a two-year deal to backstop, uh, backstop Thatcher Demko. And... Now there's, um, like I said, there's Michael DiPietro, who is highly touted in the goalie community. I haven't personally seen him play, but I've heard a lot about him via Kevin Woodley, uh, once again, of Ingle Magazine. Because um, he's a Vancouverite, he sees the absolute team play lots there too, like their farm club. And uh, it'd be interesting what they do with DiPietro. Do... They sign him to another, well, I shouldn't say another. He just finished his entry-level deal. They'll probably sign him to a bridge, but what do they sign him at? Probably minimum, bare minimum, I would say. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be an interesting interesting turnout. I Just in passing thought. And the other RFA goalie to look out for if you're a Buffalo fan uh UPL uh, is it Uka Pekka I can't even, forgive me for butchering his name there uh Jeff Jeff Aid <laughs> I uh I know he's a huge Buffalo fan living in Edmonton um UPL is not as he's known in all all fans all Buffalo fan circles um he is an RFA this in he's 23. Um, Yuko Pekka Lukanen, sorry, <laughs> I'm pure professional here, folks. This is my first first podcast. I'm so sorry for butchering his name for all you Buffalo fans out there. He's a highly touted prospect. They just re signed Craig Anderson, 41 year old Craig Anderson, to another one year contract. They're so far away from hitting the cap floor. You wonder what Buffalo's going to do. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. What he asked for, I'm assuming he'll back up Anderson this coming season. Uh, you can see adios to Aaron Dell. I don't think that they want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. He's not a good goaltender, in my personal opinion. Not professional for here behind the mic but the other goaltender that is actually restricted or pardon me an unrestricted free agent in buffalo is michael hauser and he's he is a lifelong hl echl goalie he is a he's a minor journeyman wouldn't be a bad idea to take a look at him there too for what i've seen when he played there with the big club this year um he did pretty darn good, and he even did better in Rochester there too. But with the 
with the numbers he put up. Like I said, I, I only seen him with Buffalo there. I didn't have the HL package in order to see him play. But um, one other one other RFA that I am a huge fan of. It's sad he never got drafted because he's not a big goaltender uh, size-wise. Uh, and that's Zach Sachenko. He was a Moose Jaw Warrior. He didn't went undrafted, so he decided to take the long road to the NHL. He went to U Sports there. He played for the Golden Bears, was lights out with the Golden Bears. I think he won a championship, if I'm not mistaken, with the uh, U Sports championship with the Golden Bears. And then that's where he got his pro contract with the San Jose Sharks. With their goaltending situation, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Zach. I think they'll resign him. I'm pretty sure they will resign him. The Sharks will. Um, if I was Ken Holland, <laughs> and I'm speaking like a goaltender fanboy here, he was damn good in relief there with the big club when they had all them injuries with Reimer and with, um, with, uh, oh geez, <laughs> I'm losing it. I'm losing it here this tonight here, folks. Um, oh God. What's the other guy's name there? I uh, got traded there by, oh, give me a second here, folks. Um, Aiden Hill. Man, getting old sucks because you can't remember all these names. When both Reimer and Aiden Hill were injured, uh, he came in in relief, and I thought he held his own pretty darn good. Um, he's not ready yet as far as full-time NHL service. Um, I mean, the kid, I think he's only 24 or 25, I do believe. Just give me one second here. I just got to look him up. Um, he's 24. He's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. So he does have a say in what he gets paid. And, uh, maybe make a play for him to put him on the farm. You never know. He might, uh, might be, might be somebody someday. You never know. He's, like I said, he looked damn good with the big club there in San Jose last season when he had to be called upon. Um, I think, uh, I think he had a half decent season there with the Barracuda. The Barracuda wasn't very good though. So from what I, I recall, um, yeah, that's about it folks. Uh, I will be writing a pipe dreams redo. Um, an article there for heavy hockey. Uh, I urge you to go check out everybody else that writes for heavy hockey. Uh, Ryan Lotzberg, uh, Eric Friesen. Uh, I get to give a shout out to Eric here for getting me, uh, experience on his podcast, the 99 forever podcast. Excuse me. Um, yeah. And I was about, two and a half years ago. And, uh, I gotta say, I'm not the greatest public speaker (laughs) and, uh, he definitely, uh, he definitely, uh, he, he got my feet wet there as far as bringing me into the, the HHN and one thing led to another and I started writing for, for the site and, and now I'm doing my own podcast here. It's it's pretty weird, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's crazy how life works out. And I actually like talking. Like I said, I'm not a huge public speaker. I'm pretty, pretty quiet, but uh, got a little bit of experience there being on, on Michael E. Bear's show there, Oilers Live, and and on Straight Off the Pipe there with Dash and Durst. Um, yeah, check out. Check out everybody's uh, articles there on uh, the heavyhockey.com site. Um, like I said, the podcasts are wicked. I think Michael Hebert does a, a podcast every Tuesday night at 9, 9 p.m. Mountain Time, even though he lives in Halifax or here on the East Coast. Uh, Straight Off the Pipe is, I 
do you believe is on Sundays with Dash and Dursh uh, at nine o'clock at night. And this one, eventually, uh, the Paddle Dom podcast will be a live podcast eventually. Just don't know when. I don't have the proper proper tools here right now. I don't have the proper setup. I'm working on it. But I wanted to, to make my inaugural podcast here as a recording just because of the situation here is going into the draft and free agency is right, right around the corner. And uh, it's going to be a spicy meatball for the Edmonton Oilers this year. So uh, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I hope we get a good, good goalie. That's I hope, uh, I hope Holland there. He, uh, he does well. And I'm not knocking what he did last season. There was signing like, the likes of Cody CC, uh, re-signing Tyson Berry was all right. Wasn't the greatest. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the Duncan Keith trade, but I'll just keep my mouth shut at that because I know I'll piss a few people off. Sorry, Dash. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be trying. Because they've got they've got McLeod as an RFA, they've got Kyler Yamamoto, like I said, as he, as our RFA. They've got uh, fan favorite the Bison King, yes, Apuliarvi as an RFA. Um, the 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 huge question mark is obviously uh, the, the the situation on Mike Smith. What's going to happen with him? So it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and I, I just I hope he doesn't trade for spare parts again. Uh, if he gets like a likes of Vili Huso, he's probably going to overpay, whether it's in money or in term. But like I said before, the others are in win now mode. You'd think that 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 position would be covered already, but only time will tell. So, thanks for tuning in, there, guys. Uh, like I said, I hope to, to hope to do this more often down the road here as a live pro, as a live pod. But uh, as of right now, like I said, my resources are fairly limited, so this is what I'm this is what I'm held to. So, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll we'll see you later.